Hey, aloha. This is Jeff Reimbold. This is the Jeff Reimbold Show, and we're coming to you from the beautiful Big Island and my second island back in the UK. Ali Hodgkinson from Pro Football is Pro Football Network is here again. We are talking wide receivers and tight ends today. We're going to do two separate pods. We're going to do a wide receiver pod because it is an interesting, deep, but kind of uh, unusual, I would say, receiver group. And I think that you and I are kind of on the same page. It'll be interesting to see how we stack our boards a little bit. But I'm with you, Ali. You mentioned before we got on the show about, you know, it's really kind of a pick your poison group. So let's get to picking who's your number one player at wide receiver in this draft. Yeah, like we said before we started recording, this <clears throat> excuse me, this wide receiver class is deep. Um, a lot of people have said, oh, it's not very good. It's deep. There isn't a there isn't a guy that makes you go, wow, that is a generational elite wide receiver. Um, like we have had in previous classes. And I think that's been to the detriment of this class. People are comparing apples for apples, and they should you know, we're not comparing apples for apples, we're comparing tanks and Ferraris. Um but for me, it's you, you look at this wide receiver class, and I think very marginally, Jordan Addison is the best available pass catcher for NFL teams um, when they're on the clock in, in the 2023 draft in, in a little over six weeks' time. This is a, a kid that we're going to talk about the negative elements of his sky report in a minute. He's going to get knocked for his size. But this is a kid who has been extremely productive for two seasons. 2021 Belitnikov Award winner at Pitt um, for the Pitt Panthers, catching passes from Kenny Pickett. Don't say that after you've had too many tequilas. Um, but 1,500 yards, 15.9 yards per catch, 17 touchdowns in 2021. Then transferred to USC and was catching passes from Caleb Williams. 875 yards, 14.8 yards of catch, eight touchdowns in 2022 in that USC offense. And there were so many wide receivers in that USC room. You now, eight guys who could have started at Power Five programs for, for my money at the start of the 2022 college football season. So there's lots of lots of competition in that wide receiver room, but he's shown he can be highly productive in two very different schemes, two different programs, versatile use. Um because of the skill set that he brings to the table as a wide receiver prospect in this draft class. Talking about a kid who <clears throat> didn't test elite at the combine. Let's just put it out there. Let's get that elephant in the room out of the way. I think a lot of people were disappointed with how Jordan Addison tested um, at the NFL combine. But when you turn on the tape, his ability to accelerate 0-60 to 60 in the blink of an eye helps him in a multitude of ways with his games, uh, with his game. He's an incredible route runner. You think about some of the stuff that, that Jordan Addison has done in recent times, comparable to some of the best route runners in the NFL, guys like Stefan Diggs, who can just shake guys out of their skin with their twitchy, explosive movements, their agility. Uh, and that's what Jordan Addison brings to the football field. And then for a smaller guy, he's actually pretty tough and competitive at the catch point at any level on the field. It's not a kid who you wince at as he goes over the middle of the field. Um, good body control, good concentration as a pass catcher. Um, and I think all those things combined are going to help Jordan Anderson win and win very quickly at the NFL level. Now, we, we, we've said size probably about 20 times either before the show, start recording or since I've started talking. He is only 5'11". He is only 173 pounds. 
his hands are quite small for a wide receiver, eight and, eight and three quarter inches as well. Um, that is going to be an issue that is discussed to death over the next six weeks in NFL um, front offices. Um, especially if you're talking about a guy that you're going to use a first round pick on, because I think there is there's a handful of first round first round wide receivers in this class, regardless of what people think about the class as a whole. Is he position is he position specific at the NFL? I think that is a question that you put in the negative element as well. He has been used with some versatility at the college level, but will he be pigeonholed just as a slot wide receiver at the NFL level? And again. How do you equate that to NFL draft capital, to NFL draft value? Um, and then we, t- we talked about the, the positives of his pass-catching ability. Early on in his career, there's a lot of drops on his tape. Now, that has got better um, with time. Um, but again, as you think about the physicality he's going to encounter at the NFL level, you think about those hits he's going to take at the NFL level, is that consistency, a uh, lack of consistency, should I say, as a pass catcher early in his career? Is that going to come back to haunt him when he gets on an NFL field? But I think when you weigh him up against some of the other guys in this class, I do think Jordan Addison, for me, is probably the guy that heads into the NFL draft as a consensus or as, as close to as a consensus when you have a group like these, wide receiver one of the, the, the class. Uh, you know what? It's interesting. You know, because Bucky Brooks rates, rates him as his, his number one, too. And I, t- I put a lot of stock in what Bucky has to say. I'm a little bit, uh, you know, in, agree- in agreement with some of the things you talked about. I, I'm a little concerned. Is he just truly a slot guy? Can he go out wide at 5'11", 173 pounds and against the long corners he's going to face in the NFL? And here's the thing that's the biggest difference to me with wide receivers is they don't ever see the complexity of coverage. They don't see as much press man on the collegiate level as they're going to see on the pro level. So there's still some questions with Addison in my mind in terms of his ability to get off a press, to separate at 173 pounds against the, you know, everybody wants that long 6'1 DB now, and there's enough of them out there. He's going to face a ton of them. Uh, that that would be my one area of concern. There's no question in my mind about the productivity. We always talk about production versus potential. And here's a kid that, as you mentioned, Ali, was highly productive in two separate offenses. It's very difficult to be in an offense for three or four seasons. Then all of a sudden you leave and you're the fresh guy in the room and go out there and put up the numbers that he put up. I think that that's indicative of, you know, his ability to learn. It's his ability to fit in his you know, what kind of teammate he is, all the questions that you would want to have, you know, you want to have answered if you're talking about a first round guy. Now, I think he's going to go in the first round, but again, it's a little bit like the rest of the guys in this class. It's, you know, it somebody's going to have to fall in love with them, somebody that needs that specific skill set. I thought that the guy that just looking at the whole picture and I didn't, he didn't test well at the combine. He's another guy that didn't test well, but I look at the prototypical NFL receiver, the big six, three, 200 pound guy that with all kinds of length and, you know, ability to make contested catches and go inside for the football and, you know, throw it up on a deep ball and he can go up and get it was Quentin Johnson from TCU was the kid that, jumped out at me is probably for my mind 
the best in a class. But then you look at that 449-40 speed and people are going to be scared away of the, from that. Can you be a legitimate WR1 in the NFL with 4-5 speed? There have been guys who've done it, but, you know, he's a little bit raw in some of the stuff you see him do. But there's one of the reasons that that quarterback, I think, got to the combine was the fact that, you know, when he was in trouble, he could he could just yank it out there and and Quentin would go get it for him, which, you know, again, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, and I think there's a very, excuse me, I think there's a very legitimate argument to be made that Quentin Johnson is the wide receiver one of this class. You you mentioned, well, everything we talked about about with Jordan Anderson is a negative. Quentin Johnson answers that negative in a lot of respects. 6'3", 208 pounds. The, the, the ridiculous thing about, Quentin Johnston is we're going to talk about him as a big bodied size threat, which is what he is. He actually measured in significantly smaller at the combine than I think a lot of people were expecting. TCU listed him at six foot four. I think his his weight has been banded around quite far north of the 208 pounds that he measured in at. But yeah, 33 and 5 inch arms. So this is a kid who's talking about the catch radius is there, the hand size is there, the productivity is there. It was a career average of 19 yards per catch. And when you turn on the tape for the Horned Frogs, it's the size, but it's the speed, it's the yard after the catch threat because he's a kid oh. who propelled Go, let's go, talk. Jeff, go. No, 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 let's talk about that because that was, I'm glad you brought that up and I didn't, but one of the things I liked about him was even though he's not a, what in a, what I would say an elusive runner after the catch, but he is productive after the catch and his size helps him. He can break tackles. He's got that kind of, you know, strength with the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's an alpha at the catch point at the end of the day. He is a, a, a guy who is, is physical in all phases, and that does help him um, rumble through guys. Um, I think even um, even with some of the question marks about what his actual speed is, when you turn on the tape, he's got speed for his size. You know, you don't see a lot of guys move in the open field the way that Quentin Johnson does it at his size. Um, and that all comes together to he, he is a, a, a he is a yard after the catch threat. He's a three level threat guy. Um, who, like we talked about, elite catch radius with those big old leathers, big strong hands, combative at the catch point. Technique is mainly good. I think consistency-wise, you do want to see him more consistently deploy that, you know, diamond, you know, catch in the diamond. But sometimes you see him kind of rely on body catches a little bit. You see him sometimes a little bit inconsistent um, in in some things like you talk about coming getting off press for a guy whose game is physical he's the alpha sometimes he does struggle to come off press he doesn't he's not always overly physical as a run blocker as well um which for a guy this size a guy who's shown he can be this alpha can be this physical threat you just want to see more consistency from quentin johnson and i think he came into the season with such a high reputation. I think you know, everyone kind of was thinking, well, Quentin Johnson is going to set college football on, on fire. And for the first three or four games, statistically, it wasn't there. And people were like, well, is this guy what we thought he was? But if you actually watch football, if you watch TCU, you watch those four games, the flashes are there. Just because the numbers weren't there, what he can do as a pass catcher, 
that ability to go up and grab it at the highest point and, and, and to compete at the catch point and just ludicrous examples of catch point contortionism that he can he can do with that body control that he has at his size. Like it's there. You have to just bit, you have to watch beyond the numbers sometimes. And then as the season progressed, it came and and that's and that's what we got. Yeah, and I think here's another thing that, that and and great point. And when you we just talked about Addison playing in two separate programs. Well, even though the kid stayed at TCU his whole career, he actually played in two separate programs because the offense that uh, Sonny Dykes brought to TCU was completely different. And, you know, you've got a different set of coaches, all of that. And it took a little bit of time, I think, for the TCO, TCU coaches and the quarterback and everybody to realize just what this kid was or what this kid can do for him. I, again, agree with you about you talk, you use the term and it's a great term, the alpha. Right. Well, if you're truly the alpha, right, like you think about. You know, there was another pretty good receiver at Detroit named Johnson. And when you know, when. when when he walked out on the oh, field, oh whoa! <laughs> there was no question who the alpha was, and that's what I wanted to see out of this kid. And you did on occasion, but you didn't get it all the time. And you know, you think about the offenses today, the wide zone offenses, and how important blocking on the perimeter is. This should be a guy that you say, "Hey, you want to, you want to." turn him inside and go crack a linebacker. This is the guy you want to go. You don't want to send Addison in there. You want to send a guy that looks like this. <laughs> go get somebody. Hey, I'm going to give you the next guy. And uh, I got him ranked in my top three. And I, I'm interested to see if you do too. But I'm going to give him to you. Not because I think you have him ranked this high. It's just that I can't pronounce his name. So I'm going to give you... <laughs> From Ohio State, Jackson Smith, <laughs> and then I got no shot. Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I, so, so he's a. We talk about this class. Jackson Smith and Jigba is the epitome of an enigma, like an enigma in this class. A kid who missed most of 2022 after entering the season as a potential wide receiver one candidate, coming out of you know that wide receiver university that is Ohio State now. Um, under Brian Hartline's um, chief college and the wide receiver position, and he missed all of this year, and it really, it really felt from a, an outside analyst perspective that it damaged Jackson Smith and Jigba this year. It felt like this was a kid who was maybe slipping into the second round, um, just because of the question marks about the injury. A lack of elite speed at the wide receiver position, some sort of drops out. Excuse, excuse me, some drops when he was extending out of his frame. We talked about Quentin Johnson's thirty-three and five-inch arms. Jackson Smith injured thirty and a half inch. There's a notable size difference, and when he's extending outside of that that frame, sometimes it does cause problems for Jackson Smith injured Burr. And they were the question marks that were really dogging him. Then he came into the combine, and he didn't run the forty, <clears throat> which is going to run at the, at the Ohio State Pro Day. That's easy for me to say. Um, but everything else, he absolutely blew the socks off in terms of the explosion drills, the vert and the broad, the three cone and the uh, twenty yards um, shuttle, which are um, the measurements of the of agility. Jackson Smith and Jigber absolutely blew it off the door. So those questions kind of answered a little bit in terms of who is he as an athlete 
because although we don't know the long speed, we know what he is as a as an agile and explosive character. And when you turn that on the tape, that's what you see with Jackson Smith and Jigby. This is a kid who's a plus route running ability, as you would expect coming out of a, a wide receiver factory like Ohio State. We we talked about Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave a couple of shows ago. You know, yep. we've seen what Ohio State can do at the wide receiver position and how it translates to the NFL. And these are some of the reasons why. Like the route running ability, elite explosion, acceleration, the, the ability to deceive defensive backs with twitchy movements, stop-start ability, tempering his route, um, manipulating his route tempo. He might not be the most fastest wide receiver in a straight line, but he can manipulate his route tempo to, uh, with that acceleration and explosiveness. And it really does put defensive backs in a bind. And you saw it time after time, um, not this season, obviously, but 2021. You saw uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba really put defensive backs in a bind in the Big Ten. Um, and then when it comes to the, the catching ability, we talk you know, body control is is magnificent. His awareness is great. His concentration's good for a guy who is only six one one ninety six pound. He's physical at the catch point. Um, and I think it all adds up now to a guy who you've got him as your third ranked guy. I've got him as my fourth ranked guy. A lot of people he's going to be the top wide receiver off the board for. And it comes back to this picky poison of what you need out of your, your wide receiver position. But Jackson Smith and Jigba really does tick a lot of boxes as it pertains to translating to the NFL. Let me ask you this, Ali. When when you're at Ohio State, and, and you made a great point about Brian Hartline, who obviously has done a great job with the group of kids that he's had there. Now, he's had elite athletes. He's had the best of the best. I mean, that's what you get when you coach at Ohio State. But he's done a great job of helping those kids understand how to be wide receivers, right? And it far it's far more than just knowing your plays and catching the football, the ability to, as you mentioned, and this is a great, this is one of the reasons why I really like doing this with you is because you get it right. You talk about the, the, you use the term manipulate your tempo in the route. Well, to, you know, it used to be everybody say you got to come off of the ball hard every play. Well, that's not the case. You need to understand how to, particularly when you play zone coverage, how important it is that you spend as much time in the voids of the zone as you can and get to the voids of the zone as fast as you can, or, you know, your release is based upon the structure and the receivers around you, all of the subtleties that some kids don't get. And then they come to pro football and they struggle because they have to relearn all those things. Certainly this kid has, you know, will come more pro ready than a lot of young wide receivers will because of where he went. But I do wonder about, do you think playing in that system and playing next to Marvin Harrison Jr., who, that might have taken some of the shine off of him? I think it's difficult because you look at, you look at Chris Olave last year, like everyone was raving about Garrett Wilson and it almost kind of got, like Chris Olave almost kind of got forgotten about. But then you look what he's done for the New Orleans Saints this year. You look back at the tape and in, in isolation of what Chris Olave is and was. And a lot of people were surprised when the New Orleans Saints traded up and, and took Chris Olave. Um, but he's, he showed that that's who who he is. But it's, it's fascinating that Ohio State wide receiver, I, I spent some time writing about their spring practices this week and they've got, you know, you mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. 
They've got Julian Fleming. They've got Amika Egbuka. They've got a whole 2022 recruiting class of four-star wide receivers who may never see the field because their 2023 wide receiver class contains multiple five-star guys like Brandon Innes who are going to push these guys to play in time. It's, ri- it's ridiculous how much talent is in that wide receiver room. Um, I think the biggest thing for Jackson Smith and Jigba really is just the lack of playing time this year. Um, more that than the fact that you know he, he was playing a, alongside Marvin Harrison for whatever time he saw on the field. Um, the fact that he didn't see the field and he almost, there was a lot made of his decision to take himself out of the national championship uh, the the college football playoff, sorry, um, mm-hmm. roster um, early on. It was kind of like, well, this is a kid who doesn't really want to go out there and play for Ohio State. Where's his heart at? For a lot of an- analysts. And then obviously that makes you question as you go into the NFL draft process. Is this a kid who, when the going gets tough, does he want to play football at the highest level? And it's not always, this is the problem with being an, an-, an analyst from afar is you're not, party to those conversations with those players you're not party to the conversations within those um college locker rooms and college football head coaching environments you know about the head coach's office you're not party to those questions so you can only get to those conversations so you can only kind of raise questions from the outside and it 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 you know it can lead to jumping to, to conclusions that are sometimes very far from the truth which is really, really important in this next. We talk about how many weeks till we get to the draft. I was six weeks, I think. Six weeks, in, yeah. Yeah, in these next six weeks, it's that kind of background work that really, really wins for you if you're a club that's looking at a kid like this who has, quote, some questions about those types of things. And remember this process, right? The process that we're involved in is – we're trying to shoot holes in these guys, right? You're trying to not have him be a first round draft draft pick. That's the object. That's the object, right? You got to find, you got to find the reasons to say no. And if you keep coming up with the same reasons, then there's probably, you know, where there's, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. But, you know, the other thing is you got to be able to have a relationship. And this is, this is the other area too. You better have a relationship with Ryan Day, with Heartline, with the guys that know this kid, really know this kid. And you, you got to be able to trust that. And that's that's one of the things that the young scouts that I've encountered are. They think it's information gathering and numbers, but it's really, a you know, you're talking about people. It's a people industry and you, you know you got to know the person. All right. Now, that's that's three. Who's your third? I got to, this is curious. I got to see who your third is. <laughs> well, if you didn't like the size of Jordan Anderson, you're not going to like the size of this guy. Five foot nine, 182 pounds out of Boston College, Zay Flowers. This kid, for me, I, I did his summer scouting report. As a Boston College fan, I've been lucky enough to watch Zay Flowers uh, more regularly than some national NFL draft analysts. Explosive, dynamic, and dangerous were the three capital letters, bold type, italics, whatever you want to, however you want to make what you feel about someone known. That's why I was putting those three words in for Zay Flowers, because this is exactly what he is. And you watch, we talk about a a yard after the catch threat. There isn't a better yard after the catch threat in this 2023 NFL draft class than Zay Flowers because of what he does with the ball in his hands, a dynamic athlete, ludicrous change of direction ability, the kind of guy that snatches souls and breaks ankles when you try and tackle him in the open field. He's fast. He's 
agile. He's every whatever word you want to use to describe how a man changes direction, <laughs> use it because that's that's what Zay Flowers does. And if you're a, if you've been a defensive back or a linebacker in the ACC for the past three years, you you probably have nightmares about Zay Flowers. And he's given he's given some of the best cornerback prospects over the past three draft classes absolute fits every time he's faced him um for a, for a kid of his size um very impressive ball tracker very impressive hands at the catch point um particularly this season an area that he's really developed his game um there was one play against Louisville this year where he got between two defensive backs who and had I would say as a guy that's five foot nine had absolutely no right being there but stuck himself between these two guys plucked the ball out of the sky, held onto it. It was one of the greatest catches you saw in college football this year. Um, from, a, from a guy who is routinely knocked for being too small to play in the NFL, he booked up for the combine. That 182 pounds is not his playing weight by any stretch of the imagination. His arms are a little smaller. We talk about catch radius, just 29 and a quarter inch arms. Bigger hands than a guy like Jordan Addison, though. Um, but he's been insanely productive, holds the program records for just about anything you can think of from a numbers perspective for Boston College. Um, but he'll come with those concerns that we talked about for Jordan Addison. Size, does he play in the slot only at the NFL? Is his catch radius going to be a problem at the NFL? But this is a kid who receives the field immediately in a return capacity. And that's what you've, you, you've got to start thinking about when you're evaluating prospects is, how quickly can I get value out of this kid? How quickly can I get a return on my investment? And you stick Zay Flowers at the back, returning punts and kickoffs on opening day of the NFL season and sticking him in the slot as well, because that's how dangerous he can be. All right. Now take off your maroon and gold hat. <laughs> big VC on the top of it. And let me ask you, uh, let me, I'm going to use two words and tell me your reaction to Zay, with Zay Flowers. Long speed yeah I, this is the thing with zay flowers because a lot of people are expecting him to run faster than he ran at the combine so he ran a 442 we spoke to him uh, i didn't because i wasn't there but um the members of pro football network staff spoke to him at the east east west shrine ball and he said he's uh, he was expecting to run in the four threes at the combine i don't see that speed out of him Honestly, um, but I do think he's fast enough. He does have the juice to rip off chunk players. And it, that ability to embarrass a guy to the level that he can with the um, the change of direction ability often renders the need to be, you know, a, a 4-3, 40-meter guy, renders that kind of almost null and void because you can't chase Zay Flowers when you lay on your backside on the turf, which is what he does to guys at the, well, at the I, end of the day. I, I, I agree. I thought I, I love the short burst quickness. I love his sniftiness in and out of his breaks, you know, ability to, you know, accelerate quickly in small spaces, a lot of really good hands catcher. And I'm going to tell you, wherever he went to work out, right, <laughs> In the in the in that six weeks or whatever it was between the end of the college season and the combine, I, I, I'm going to that place because that kid looked like it was like it wasn't even the same guy, you know. <laughs> and and I think that's going to be important because he was he's not a big stature kid, 
and I'm sure some of the concerns and he helped alleviate him when he took his shirt off at the combine were, <laughs> you know, would he, would he be able to at that size handle a pounding inside, you know, at the national football league level. All right. So we're really close on, on our top three. And now I want to do it this way because when I, when in Jigba, I put, how about that? Uh, you taught me how to say it, right? In Jigba, I, I put in Beautiful. my top three. Now, I, I said, okay, I'm going to divide the next two spots in two ways. I'm going to have my big guys, and I'm going to have my little guys, because that's the way I see these guys. Now, when you talk about big guys, you want a length guy, you want a strength guy, you want a guy with enough speed, you want a, an X, right? If you're looking at a position, you're I'm saying this is that guy you put on the backside away from trips. You can run choice with him. You can do a lot of things. You can isolate him one-on-one. -on -one. I like Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee who was 6'3", 186 pound kid with 4'3 speed. And another one in the long line of great whiteouts that's come out of SMU, Rasheed Rice, who at 6'4", 200 pounds, ran 4'4", 2, and really exploded on the scene his, his this past season. He, he was just kind of a guy. So I think there are holes in both of them, but I think there's positives in both of them. What's your takes? Yeah, I love Rasheed Rice. Honestly, I think um, it's easy to look at a kid that comes out of SMU and leads the nation in receiving yards per game and go, this is a kid who is, is scheme-specific, who has been, you know, given... Fed the ball. Given three million receptions and whatnot, and... Tanner Mordecai's aired it out every go. But like you say, with Rasheed Rice, this is a kid who who can manufacture for, it, for himself. Um, the, the issue you get with receivers coming out of SMU is they tend to list them currently, not saying while you were there, Jeff, but currently you tend to find that you look at the roster and then you see how a guy measures in when it comes to the combine and there's usually some differential um, give or take two in two three inches. I remember Danny Gray last year. Danny uh, SMU listed Danny Gray at about six six two, and he came in at five eleven. Um, but you look at Rasheed Rice; it doesn't matter whether he measures six three, six one, six dead. Like this is a guy who plays big on tape, and the speed is good for his size. What he can do in terms of adding value after the catch with how he moves is good for his size. And I think this is a guy who you're looking at the top of the second round. I don't think he I don't think he ultimately ends up in the first round. Um but I think he's a kid you look at the top of the second round and you 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 plug him in. He'll get you'll get return on him early. And it's a great investment of a pick in in, in Rashi Rice. Jalen Hyatt's obviously the is a is a trendy guy. Um, in a lot of respects, because of what he did in that Tennessee offense this year, and people look at that straight line speed and 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 what he does with that, and what he's done in the Tennessee offense, and it is, you know, it's been a joy to behold this season, and um, you can see how that will translate to the NFL. I, I prefer Cedric Tillman, his teammate. Um, in all honesty, I have him as my wide receiver mm -hmm. five. Um, currently in this class. Um, but Jalen, a, a team is going to fall in love with Jalen Hyatt's straight line ability with that speed um, and how he um, adds the value after the catch with that speed. And I don't, I don't see it being out of the question if he's a, 
he's a, a first round, late first round pick for a lot of NFL teams. And there's a lot of NFL teams that need wide receivers as well in this in this upcoming well, class. You know, that's that's part of this whole equation too. Who it's need based, right? It's to a certain degree. And and again, if you need a big speed guy, then a guy like you know Hyatt jumps up over some of these other guys just because he is that guy. You want a guy who can take the top off of it. You better, you know. That's that's the kind of guy you're going to look at. All right. Now, my little guys and I love little guys. I love that's my run and shoot background. I know. But um, I thought and I put Zay Flowers in my little guy category. And I, I like Makes sense. we talked about. But there is a kid out there that he's raw and sometimes drops a ball too much. But man, oh, man. Do I love him in the slot? Because the last guy I saw who could separate like he can separate with his short burst quickness and his ability to run speed cuts and all of it was Cole Beasley. Now, the difference between Cole Beasley and this kid, there's two differences. Cole was a much better pure receiver catching the ball than Tank Dell, but... Cole couldn't go four three five. Cole ran four five, right? And I mean, there that's a you're talking about a huge difference in time. This kid is electric when he gets the football. And there was a lot of there's a lot of questions about his 163 pounds or whatever he weighed in at. But I'm going to tell you something. Cole Beasley played in the National Football League at under 160, under 160, and played for whatever. Like right now, if he makes the roster again next year. He'll be the oldest wide receiver in the NFL, and he's still playing at his size. So, I, I, I give me your take on Tank Dell. I, I absolutely love him, um, and these <clears throat> the, the size the size element really feels like it has impacted Tank Dell's stock because he doesn't get talked about in this plethora of pass catches as he should, for my money. Um, you, you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of what he is as electric playmaker. He's got the speed. He's got the explosion. You watch his footwork. Like I think it was Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl um, tweeted this week um, a, a snapshot from their practice of him using a scissors release that was just out of this world. Like you, you can't. It doesn't matter how big you are as a wide receiver, as a cornerback. You aren't defending that in any shape, form, or fashion when he gets you like that as, with with that release because Bosch has got you on his release. He's going to use his short area speed, his, his explosiveness to be before you before you know your wallet's gone, and then he's going to pull away from you in the open field as well. And he's got incredible body control um, at, at the catch point, and you know in the open field with a ball in his hand. You know, like he's very elusive because of how he can use his body and manipulate his body. And it's, uh, I think someone is probably going to get the steal of the draft in Tankdale if NFL teams think, think and feel the way that a lot of analysts do, which quite often they don't. Um, but I, I, I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time scouting the AAC before the season and. You look at Tank Dell and, you know, Houston got a lot of prospects on the defensive side and obviously they got Clayton Toon at the quarterback position. Tank Dell was just like, this is this kid is, is special. It makes, it makes no you feel question. a thing. Yeah, no, no question. And, and you know what? There's a thing called coaching, right? 
And if this kid's willing to work, he can clean up some of the technical things that haunt him. You know, talk about dropping the ball. I don't think he has hard hands. I think he's inconsistent with his hand selection. He's inconsistent with his eyes. Uh, and those are all things he can correct if he's willing to work to correct them. That's again, that's not my job. That's the job of whoever is thinking about drafting this kid to figure out, you know, if that's part of his thing. Man, it's been a great one talking these wideouts with you. I know we're going to move on to tight ends for the next week. Um, I, I I just think it's so interesting, Ali, as we go forward and, you know, six weeks away from the draft and, you know, we'll come back and we'll have our own mocks and we'll stack our board and do all that. But um, it's going to really come down with a lot of these guys. I think there could be as few as three wide receivers in the first round or as many as seven in the first round. I think it's it's a crapshoot. It's going to come down to what people's needs are, what they feel they get in these workouts. I just want to leave the fans with this one. If you're concerned about it, what a guy did at the combine, I'm going to give you some names. Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Aldrick Robinson, and Darius Johnson. Four wide receivers I had at SMU when I was there. The only two that went to the combine were Aldrick and Emmanuel. Nobody, nobody other than Aldrick ran under four or five. Nobody. The tallest of them was Emmanuel at 5'11", and he weighed 180 pounds. You look at that group of kids, and Cole, not drafted. Darius, not drafted. But both, but all four of them went on and caught well past a, a mile's worth of NFL yards. And, you know, I can't even tell you how many touchdowns. So if you think that the combine is the absolute answer when it comes to finding wideouts, you got to think again. And there are going to be kids out there that are going to be like those guys. And if you don't get a guy or you don't take a guy in the first round, don't panic because if you, if you, go, if you go to college football and shake a tree, there's two things I know are going to fall out, running backs and wideouts. That's it's pretty, it's crazy that way, but that's the way it works. So again, Ollie, great job with the, stacking our stacking our wideouts, our initial stack of the wideouts, and we're going to move on to tight ends. I'll see you next week on the Jeff Reinbold Show. <laughs>